We Went Blues is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With Game Time, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Clean my house. Maybe I need a Roomba. Two taps, house is clean, watch sports all day. But until then, I've got Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. to episode 19 of We Went Blues. This is Jeremy Rutherford. I'm with uh, Barrett Jackman, and we'll be with you for the next 15 minutes, and then uh, we'll be in Chicago talking to our athletic staff up there, uh, the happenings around the Central Division, also what's going on with the Blackhawks. But right now, Barrett, we want to talk about this St. Louis Blues team, another victory uh, last night, 5-2 over the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, just playing great hockey. We'll get to the good news on the injury front in just a minute. Uh, But uh, Barrett, where I want to start with this is the way this team has continued to play just by plugging different players in, the call-ups from San Antonio, you sign Troy Brower to a PTO. Uh, just when you think this team might fall apart because of all the injuries, they keep winning. Yeah, you, they're showing a lot of character, and that's uh, you know up and down the lineup. You, you don't have uh, you know a guy that's going to score you uh, 40 goals anymore uh, since uh, Vladdy's out of the lineup, but. You have guys that are willing to, you know, put an ego aside and, and work for the team and, and, you know, be put on, you know, the first, the second, third, the fourth line, whatever uh, needs to to be done. And that's the reason that this team is having success. It's uh, everybody's buying into what uh, Craig Berube is, is preaching in the way that you want to play the game. Uh, you know, last couple of games they've they've got the shots uh, against down, which is is helping out. And then uh, you know the goaltenders, uh, both Jake Allen and uh, and Jordan Binnington, are both uh, you know dominating and giving this uh, team a chance. And I wanted to get into that with you. You touched on it, Barrett. Is uh, when a star player and then even multiple players go out of line. When you talk about an Alexander Steen, Sammy Blay, Oscar Sundquist, they've been playing uh, really good hockey. When you're missing those types of guys, what happens? You know, I don't think that any one of us want to say that a Tarasenko ego dictates the way the Blues play hockey. He, he of course, he has to be confident. He has to want to take over games. Um, but it seems like, and we saw this, you know, when you played for, for all those years, you guys would miss one of your key players or two or three players, and you guys just took on this workman-like attitude. What happens within a locker room and on the ice when this is the case? Well, sometimes it's it's guys being put in roles that they haven't had uh, a chance to be put in, and uh, just taking advantage of opportunities. Uh, uh, you see, when Robert Thomas is on that top line, or or you know, possibly even you know when he's playing center and and being uh, counted on a little bit more, his his game is is growing, his confidence level is going up, and uh, he, he's really uh, you know he, he's got the skills, and and now he's got the confidence to do what he's. Uh, uh, you know, able to do, and sometimes on a power play, uh, you're looking at that big shot, and and you know, and it's not 
the Vladi has that ego that's demanding it. It's just you know that that might be your best option, and and sometimes you're you're not looking at three or four other options that that are on the ice. So. Uh, it, it, it's really, it's about, you know, guys stepping up and, and, and getting that confidence, but, you know, plus you, you're, you're kind of expanding your, uh, your team a little bit more and, and not as narrow minded as, as possibly, uh, you are when you do have that star on the ice. The blues after that five, two win over Pittsburgh Barrett, they're now 17, five and six for 40 points. That's tops in the Western conference. It's third overall in the league standings. That's going into Sunday's game. And I broke down some of the numbers. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko went out of the lineup in late October with that shoulder injury. In the 18 games without Tarasenko, 12-3-3 for 27 points. That's tied with Boston for the most points in the NHL in that span. Furthermore, when they lost Alexander Steen, so then you're without Tarasenko and Steen, uh, 6-2-3. Then you lose Sammy Blay, 4-1-1 in the six games without the three of them. And then you lose Oscar Sundquist. 2-0 and without all four of those forwards. They just keep getting the job done. They're plugging in players, uh, including Nathan Walker, who, uh, you know, I guess you could say in the old days when they didn't check the offsides, he's a, he, he would have two goals in his first two games, but they took uh, one off after reviewing the offsides, and then he got it back uh, last night. So, again, continue to get it done uh, regardless of, of who they're plugging in. Last night, uh, Nathan Walker did score and uh, after the game, we spoke with him. He's, of course, the first Australian to play uh, in the NHL. Uh, Barrett, quite a scene last night at Enterprise. They were actually flying the Australian flag at the game. He said he uh, did notice it. And uh, after the game, he uh, had a pretty good comment. Here's what he said. Nathan, first thing I've got to ask you, did you see the Australian flag in the stands? Uh, when I saw the replay, I, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were they friends of yours? Or? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it could be. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> what What was your reaction when you saw that? Did you, did you smile? Um, smile yeah, no, it definitely makes you proud. I mean, Australia's a long long ways from here, and um, for them to make the effort and obviously bring the flag, it uh, you know, it means a lot to me. Always good to be prepared if you're a fan. Yeah, definitely. You never know, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, did, did your, uh, do you know if you, if your parents watched last night? And do you, I guess you assume they were watching tonight. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, they watched uh, last night. I'm sure they watched tonight as well. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of friends and family back home watched too. What did they say about a goal being taken away last night? Uh, they just said, i gotta got to make sure I get one today. <laughs> Well, you, you did. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't outside this time. Were you able to track that puck pretty pretty easy there when it went up into the air? Um, it was actually one thing I kind of worked on in the summer was, uh, you know, batting pucks out of the air like that, um, trying to meet them when they hit the ice. And, uh, you know, I, just, I think I just got a little bit lucky there as well. Do you think you caught him off guard a little bit by doing that then? Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, I'm sure a goalie's not really expecting <gasps> that. Um, you know, I just tried to get it on net and, uh, you know, fortunately went in the back of the net. You, you just decided this might come in handy, so I might as well practice batting pucks? Or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you never know when you're going to need it, um, especially around the net, too, when the pucks kind of bounce up in the air like that. And, um, you know, I think little little things like that go a long way. Okay. Pretty nice Saturday night crowd, huh? For yeah, unreal. I mean, Saturday night in the Lou doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> the Lou? He's already got the lingo down. <laughs> so how do you celebrate tonight? You grab a Foster's or what, what, what do you do? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Foster's, to be honest. But, oh, there uh, goes that endorsement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Nathan Walker says, Saturday night in the Lou, you can't uh, beat it. You've been a big part of a lot of those Saturday nights in the Lou. Uh, you know what kind of fun he had. 
Yeah, um, you know, happy for the kid. He's uh, he, he's fun to watch. He's very energetic. He's uh, uh, he's got some speed. He's got some skill, and he's not afraid to go into those tough areas. So uh, I think he's you know if he's able to you know continue to play with the way he has the first couple of games, he's going to be a fan favorite. And uh, you get the uh, you know the thunder from down under here, uh, you know, Mister <laughs> Walker, and uh, you know I. I, I I've been in these Saturday uh, experiences, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, St. Louis, uh, uh, with the, how well the team's playing and uh, the excitement that they're they're throwing out there uh, Saturday night in Lou, he's uh, you know he might have some T-shirts made uh, for himself, uh, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And then afterwards, we did talk to uh, Craig Berube, and I thought something uh, that he said really uh, stuck out. He said that Nathan Walker made the team out of training camp and he said uh he played well enough to do so uh, but we all know that uh, the, the the blues were bringing back just about everybody uh, from that team uh, except for pat maroon and so it becomes a numbers situation barrett you've probably witnessed that a million times uh, throughout your career where a guy has a tremendous uh, training camp and probably deserves to stay but it's a, either a contract situation numbers game and, and he gets sent down all Nathan Walker did was went down and scored 12 goals in, in 20 games uh, with uh, the San Antonio Rampage, and now he comes back up. So whereas this might seem like a fill-in situation, and, and perhaps in a week uh, he does go back to San Antonio, he's certainly playing well enough to stay in the lineup. Craig Berube thinks so. Here's what he had to say after last night's game. I just thought that Shannon and Schwartz needed a guy that uh, get in there a little bit with more energy and bang around a little bit and create some loose pucks. And that's all. Bozy and Tomers played together before, um, so that's that. That was kind of that was my thought process at the time. Pretty impressive what Walker's been able to come in and do in a couple of years. <clears throat> yeah, like he, you know, this guy's had a good year so far. He had a real good training camp. You know, was really you know close to making the team, and you know probably maybe even did make the team. But we have the you know we had the same team back from last year, so. It was in room uh, right away, and uh, he went down the American League and he was leading their team in scoring, maybe the league, I think, in scoring. So he's he's played really well. And so when a coach says that a player's been very impressive like that, Barrett, you know, he he, he stood behind it. Last night, uh, Nathan Walker starts out the game on the fourth line, then goes to the third line, and then Craig Berube, he's had a lot of magic with his uh, changes during the game, changes Nathan Walker with Robert Thomas. He puts Nathan Walker up on that top line with Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz, and he goes out and scores the goal. Craig Bruby just does a great job rewarding these players and making them feel like they're needed. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a great feel for the game, and he uh, you know he he sees little things in the way the guys are playing that uh, uh, he, you know he sees the chemistry and and what will work and. Uh, you know, going back to what you said about him in training camp, he, he was, uh, you know, he did his job. He, he was, uh, uh, used his speed and, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, one of the most effective players in camp. But, um, you know, when it comes to decisions at the beginning of the year, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, looking uh, looking ahead, and uh, you see the salary cap. You you get the the numbers. You got waivers. Uh, you got a lot of different factors, and uh, you know, unfortunately, there's some great players that uh, don't get the opportunity because of uh, of numbers or or uh, age or or waiver wire. And uh, you know, luckily Walker is getting this opportunity now, and uh, he's taking advantage. And uh, uh, you know, I I think. Uh, 
you know, his versatility of being able to play up and down the lineup is, uh, you know, give, uh, going to give him a, a bigger look and, and, uh, a longer look here in St. Louis. Kind of a funny scene last night. I was in the locker room, Barrett and uh, Nathan Walker. He was uh, on the board. His number was on the board to talk to the media. Uh, but uh, there were other players talking and, and the reporters are kind of surrounded around those players. So Nathan Walker, he must have waited everybody out about 20 minutes before uh, the herd of cattle finally made their way. Uh, over to Nathan Walker, uh, but he was excited to, to talk. He said, even though uh, he had the goal called back because the offside uh, the night before, his parents said, you know what, just go out and, and score another one. And he did. So um, quite the scene. And, and what I want to ask you about with Nathan Walker is, you know, can he stick 25 years old? He's been with a couple different organizations, uh, Edmonton and Washington. He's five, nine, he's one eighty six. There have been very skillful, uh, players who've gone to the Hall of Fame at that size, uh, but they're few and far between. Just what's it like defending one of these guys, and what makes them so good to be able to play in, in what's uh, really a big man's league? Mm, well, you know, I, I think the the league is, uh, you know, going a little bit smaller. You look like a, a guy like Jack Hughes, soaking wet, probably 165 pounds, and he's, uh, you know, first overall pick in the uh, in the league. So uh, I, I think a lot of people are really, uh, um, you know, appreciating some of the, uh, you know, the, the smaller players these days, and, and they're making a name for themselves. But uh, you look at a guy like, uh, like Walker, who's, probably been told that he's too small and has that chip on his shoulder and uh knows that you have to work that much harder as a smaller player um you know when you're when you're playing against guys that are six foot two six three you know 200 you know 25 pounds like a you know like a Pareko so uh and you know over the Thanksgiving I was you know hanging out with uh with a pretty uh pretty good player and uh, uh Ray Whitney who's who's probably only about five foot nine but um, you know, you talk to him, he, he's played, you know, 21 years in the league and, you know, 12, 1300 games. And, you know, it was always about just, you know, being smarter, being, uh, you know, better prepared and, and, uh, you know, preparing yourself off the ice. I think Walker is a, a prime example of, uh, you know, steal a, a line from, uh, from Panger, a little guy with gumption that's, uh, going to, yeah. uh, work his ass off to, uh, you know, to prove uh, a lot of people wrong. And uh, Nathan Walker and his emergence, that's not the only good news. Uh, Barrett, uh, the Blues got good news on the injury front. Oscar Sundquist, who went down in the game in Tampa Bay a couple games ago, it looks serious. Uh, Craig Bruby said he might be out a while. They came back to St. Louis. Uh, Doug Armstrong cautioned everybody to wait until the St. Louis doctors had a chance to look at him. And uh, it turns out that uh, he's not going to be out as uh, long as first feared. So surgery uh, not needed. It might still be a week-to-week situation. Uh, but Oscar Sundquist moving around a lot better here lately. Terrific news uh, for the Blues. This guy uh, has been one of their better players, seven goals, and just brings so much to the game. Yeah, he's uh, in the last uh, you know year and a half, or, or you know probably a full calendar year. He's really uh, emerged as uh, you know that fun-loving guy in the locker room, and uh, you know his, his character and uh, personality is on the ice of just you know competing he's he's physical he's he skates well he's uh you know played a very uh vital role for the team and uh you know that hit looked uh, 
no, just the uh, the end result of him limping off the ice looked really bad, and I'm I'm glad it's uh, uh, nothing uh, too serious. But uh, you know, we all thought that when uh, the hit actually happened. More good news for the Blues. Uh, Alexander Steen, who we had on the uh, podcast a week ago, and and by the way, I saw Alex uh, last night after the game, Barrett, and uh, I told him uh, congratulations on being part of one of the lowest rated podcasts we've ever had and he said seriously that one was uh it was rated rated pretty low and i said i'm just kidding it was good <laughs> yeah steiner uh he would take that to heart so you might want to be careful of uh ribbing a guy that uh, took some time out to actually talk to you jr <laughs> i mean sorry did I say that many people again? do that <laughs> yeah, it came out. It came out over the uh, microphone there, okay. <laughs> but uh, Alexander Steen. The good news on him, uh, following up Sunquist news, is that uh, he's skating. Yesterday, I think was his first skate. Unless you want to correct me on, on that. And it looks like he'll be skating in the next couple of days as well. You know, high ankle Barrett. We talked about that when the injury happened. You really can't get excited or put a target date on it. You know, and say uh, this coming week because he's got to get out there and and get through the workouts and, and see how it holds up. And then, you know, the slightest little tweak can set you back with those high ankle sprains. But uh, good news, at least, to see him back skating. Yeah, that's uh, that's a huge step, uh, just to be able to put your uh, your boot on and, and go out there and skate. But like you said, it's a very, uh, it's a very finicky injury that uh, there's going to be a setback. Uh, you know, at some point, uh, lots of times there's a scar tissue release and, and you feel like you've uh, – uh, you've re-injured the uh, the same injury, but lots of times it's uh, it's kind of that good thing, and then uh, it's sore for a few days, and you're you're kind of uh, you know stepping back. But um, you know I, I'm I'm not sure if he's had anything like that yet. But uh, just getting out on the ice, feeling your edges, and and uh, you know be able to feel the puck too is uh, uh, you know mentally is. Uh, is a big stepping stone to just kind of get out there and, and get back to somewhat of a, you know, normal uh, existence for a hockey player. So Barrett, the Blues are in uh, great shape. They're atop the Western Conference like we touched on. You're still going to be without Tarasenko and Sammy Blay uh, long term, but it looks like you're going to get a couple of these guys back uh, sooner. They're playing good hockey. It looks like everybody's bought in. I know it's cliche, but Craig Bruby continues to do an impressive coaching job and the rest of the staff too, not just the uh, chief uh, with this hockey team. Yeah, uh, it's a you know collaboration and uh, a group effort. Uh, you know the the coaches are going to prepare the players. Uh, you know the players are going to work their uh, their their ass off. And uh, you know up and down the lineup, I think they've had a solid effort from you know whoever's in the lineup, wherever they've been, and uh, the goaltenders. Uh, you know one two combo that uh, is is putting up the saves that they are and and just giving the the team a chance to win and. Uh, you know, some nights you're not scoring uh, a lot of goals, but still winning games. And, uh, you know, like last night, they uh, they put up five and a pretty dominant effort. So, uh, yeah, all-around team effort, next man up, and uh, hopefully they continue uh, to roll in, in Chicago. Barrett, it was good to catch up on the Blues. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by our athletic Chicago staff. Of course, the Blues in Chicago at the United Center. You played a number of games there. They'll be there Monday night to take on the Blackhawks, and so we'll touch on uh, how things have been going 
uh, with Chicago and also the famous Blues Blackhawks rivalry. For so many years, the Blackhawks were on top of that, winning those three Stanley Cups in the six years. But the Blues now have their Stanley Cup and uh, see their name atop the standing. So feel pretty good about that rivalry. Uh, so we'll talk with, talk it over with the Athletic Chicago staff. But first, let's talk about erectile dysfunction. It isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash blues and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash blues to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash blues for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash blues. And we bring in Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, my uh, colleague here in uh, Chicago. Mark uh, made the drive up to Chicago the, this morning, left the house at about uh, 4.30, <laughs> got to the morning skate on time. I don't quite live halfway to St. Louis. <laughs> it just feels that way sometimes. I like how you switch into your radio guy voice. Right, oh. We were just having a casual talk, and then I hit the button on the recorder, and it's like, well, hey, guys, uh, we're now talking with Mark Lazarus. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's professional. No, you like that? Yeah. yeah. You know what I get accused of, too, is a uh, Canadian accent. You ever... Well, Nobody's ever East accused East. me of that. Yeah, uh, not from the East Coast. I, my my yeah. New York accent slips back in sometimes, especially if I'm cursing a lot. But yeah. I've got this muddled mix of just Midwest and <laughs> Pittsburgh and New York. It's awful. Well, sometimes I find myself, I'll actually catch myself saying, like, sorry, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're, sorry. they're rubbing off on yeah, you, huh? Yeah, yeah. People say, are you from Canada? And, no, lifelong St. Louis. And, well, glad to have you. Glad to be here at the United Center. I just wanted to uh, sit down with you for a little bit and talk about a few things. First of all, let me tell you, St. Louis now knows what it's like to win a Stanley Cup. How about I that? I know. How about that? It took you a while, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> so that long, bitter rivalry uh, between the Hawks and the Blues, and uh, the Blues, uh, St. Louis fans had to watch uh, the Cups win uh, a number of Cups there, three in six years, yep. uh, complete jealousy. But finally, they were able to celebrate. And you were supposed to warn me what it was like to cover a hockey team into June. Well, it's funny because my first year doing this, I was a high school sports writer and a sports editor at a suburban paper in northwestern Indiana and then I got this job and my first year was the lockout year so 2013 Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup my second year Blackhawks go to overtime of game seven of the conference final my third year Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup so that's all I knew for a while was that whole like working into July thing getting three weeks off in August and all of a sudden you're writing training camp previews there is no preparing yeah. anyone for that. I think you know that now there is no preparing for that. I mean, I was writing like 60 stories a month. Yeah. It was, I was doing it at the newspaper grind. It's, it's, it's different now with us at The Athletic where, you know, we're, we're not quite as uh, uh, beholden to the, to the time and the deadlines as we used to be. But it's just an incredible amount of work, an incredible amount of travel. It's, here's the thing. I remember 2016, uh, Blackhawks Blues, Game 7, and I'm in the press room downstairs watching that game. The Blues have a one-goal lead. And for the first time, I'm, I don't, I'm not a Blackhawks fan. I'm from Long Island. I'm, I'm completely objective when it comes to this team. But for the first time in my life, a thought came into my head. 
oh my God, I want the Blues to win this game. Wow. I was just so gassed after three straight years of that. And I was covering every road game. <laughs> like I was just, con- I was 120 nights a year on the road. I had you know, a young daughter at home. And I just, it, 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 these thoughts came flooding into my head like, oh my God, I think I want the Blues to win this game. Like badly, because the Hawks could have won the Cup that year. <laughs> like that was a great series between two good teams. That was going to be a run. Yeah, and, and Brent Seabrook hit the double post shot. Yeah. And like my heart stopped. For, like, it was the first time I remember watching a game like almost like a fan. Like I had a vested interest. And it's a horrible thing to say because you're not supposed to have rooting interest. But I was so exhausted. Imagine doing what you did last year, three straight years, and having that summer where there really isn't much of a summer. Like nobody feels sorry for us. It was fun as hell, but it's 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 physically, it's mentally, it's emotionally exhausting. It's hard on your family. I mean, it's a it's a production, man. It really was. And I do want to ask you what it was like from the Chicago perspective to watch St. Louis win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, I get tired of the Cubs and Blues comparisons, but it was kind of similar to St. Louis watching the Chicago yeah. Cubs win a World Series after such that long drought. But what was the reaction here in Chicago to the Cup? Nobody was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there were some, some fans that have a wider perspective. Like, you know what, good for those fans. We've had some fun with them over the years. You know, I, I have a nice relationship with Blues fans, it seems, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. It's always been fun. And, they like you, know, you better than me. I, I was, <laughs> I was, that's because they don't read me every day. I, 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 I was happy for them. The Blues have always been a really good room. I always like going in there and talking to the guys. It's always a laid-back room with guys that are in you know, thoughtful quotes that, you know, that you know, respect your time and, and, and are willing to give you theirs. And uh, I was happy for them. And Chicago is just like, I don't see how you can be – and certainly there were bitter fans in Chicago that never wanted to see it. Jonathan Taze told me this morning, he's like, like, I didn't want to see them win. Then he goes, I didn't want to see Boston win either, though, so what are you going to do? <laughs> um, it's, you're, there's always going to be some bitterness there. But I think when you've won three cups in six years, if you're still feeling bitter about a team that hadn't won ever winning once, right. you've got to get your priorities in order. I mean, nobody wants to see their rival win, but if you had told Blackhawks fans in 2009, look, the Blues are going to win a cup, but you're going to get three first. You okay with that? Who's going to say no? Yeah. You know, you got this situation. You're from the East Coast where when the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees, when one of them signs I'm a, Mets a guy. Fan, so you're a Mets fan. Yes. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it puts pressure on the other team in the rivalry. Did, did the Blues win the Stanley Cup put anything extra on the Blackhawks to, you know, get their thing together quicker? You know, it's weird. I, I, I'm not, not to give away the goods, but I'm going to write a column off tonight's game unless something really bizarre happens, like the Blackhawks, I don't know, playing without a person. <laughs> which is happening. <laughs> which is happening. Um, uh, it's funny because the the, 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 the rivalry is on the other side now. Like, the Blackhawks were the big brother for so long. And now they're like, oh, gee, I hope we could do what the Blues did last year. Like, the Blues <laughs> are the big brother and the model, and they're, everyone's trying to emulate the Blues, and they're the big boys all of a sudden. It's so funny how it just, it just switches on a dime like that. Really quick, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So where are the Blackhawks at right now? Um, that's a really good question. And, and, and Scott Powers and I, Scott Powers, who, by the way, was JR's first choice for this podcast. <laughs> I'm the backup. I just yeah. want to point that out. I was <laughs> You're the, the fallback choice. plan. Um, <laughs> uh, we were trying to figure it out over the weekend, and, and I don't know what to make of them. Yeah. I mean, they started the season terribly, and then in early November they did a systems week where they decided, look, we're, we're, we're playing overly defensive and still can't stop teams from scoring goals. Let's go be offensive and score goals. And they went on like a, it was like a six one and two run. They won six straight, five or six straight at one point, and everything was looking great again. And then they kind of looked really bad against Carolina and Tampa. And then they turned around against Dallas, who was the hottest team in the conference, and took three out of four points in them in two really well played games in a home and home. And then they go have a home and home against Colorado and just soil themselves completely. Um, we curse on my podcast. I don't like curse on yours. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so they just so it's a complete disaster again all of a sudden. And now you know they're playing this game tonight without. 
Duncan Keith, without Dylan Strong, without Andrew Shaw, without Robin Leonard, without Drake Kajula, and they're probably going to go out and win 9-1 to because hockey is stupid, and that's just what happens. Yeah. But you can't make heads or tails of this team. They're just, they are what they are. They're a bubble team. They're not good enough to be considered anything close to a cup contender. They're not bad enough to be a team that you could just write off. But they're also not structured in a way where you could blow it up and start from scratch because they have these old contracts that aren't going anywhere. So they're kind of in this no man's land. They have a lot of young, good young players coming up. Strom is 22. Dabrinkit's 21. Nylander's 21. Kirby Dock is 18. Adam Boquist is 19. Ian Mitchell will be coming Man. out of Denver. There's a lot of good young players coming up. But the windows aren't lining up. The window, like Those guys are going to be in their prime, collective primes in like two years. What are Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook going to look like in two years? We don't yeah. know. So the, the windows just aren't lining up perfectly. So they're going to be kind of in this no man's land for the foreseeable future. You know, when you look at the Blackhawks and other teams around the league who are maybe trying to measure themselves to the Blues, you know, I'm not saying that they are. necessarily. What are they going after? What do you see in the St. Louis Blues that allowed them to have success last year that maybe other teams around the league are trying to copy? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, I don't know if anyone really has that answer. They've got they're a hardworking team. I mean, it's all cliches, but they're a hardworking team. They've got four lines that they roll. Um, they, the, the goaltending, obviously, last year, that was always the missing link. For the yeah, you're just looking for a fourth-string goaltender to come out of nowhere. Right, exactly. And <laughs> the Blackhawks might come to that. Kevin Lincoln is coming up today. But uh, that, that's, you know, it, it was just a, a magical thing. The pieces all falling together. It's funny because, like, I was talking to Kane this morning, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I, for, you know, you'll go back to the early, 2010, the early early part of the decade when the Hawks were winning Cups. The Blues were supposed to be the best team every year. I remember I picked them to win the Cup before the 2013 season, 13-14 season and the and I think the lockout season, I picked them to win the Cup two straight times, and they completely fell flat in the playoffs. And you know, and then Kane's like, and then then they, they're in last place, and everyone's writing them off. And then all of a sudden, they're the Stanley Cup champions. I and mean, that's how quickly it can change. I don't think you can catch lightning in a bottle the way that they did, but you can be damn sure everyone's trying. And, and they're doing it by bringing up guys from the minor leagues. And you might recognize one uh, face on this Blues uh, lineup tonight, and that's uh, Troy Brower, the thirty-four-year-old Troy, Troy Brower is back. Twenty-ten Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, everyone loves Troy Brower. Yeah. So they're just plugging guys in, and, and they're working hard. And, you know, I think uh, what uh, Craig Bruby brought last year was that accountability. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's tough for other teams to, to replicate that. Or like we talked talked about uh, Jordan Bennington, he comes out of nowhere. So some of the things, you know, are... There's a reason that teams don't do what the Blues did yeah. every year. Yeah. There's a reason that it was rare, because it's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, so you're uh, looking forward to uh, writing this piece. I'm sure uh, Blues fans will like to read that uh, they're the big brother in this. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, there's no other way to look at it. They're <laughs> the big dogs right yeah. now. Hey, I uh, also want to talk to you, uh, Robert Bortuzzo. He'll be back tonight after a four-game suspension. I'm sure you saw the, the hit, and uh, he came out today and said, hey, look, I'm not trying to injure anybody. It's a play. Um, I think that Jonathan Taves said That's this bullshit. morning. Let, let yeah. me just stop you right yeah. there. That's such bullshit. I'm not trying to injure anybody. Yeah. You, took a, you took a two-handed shove with your stick to the guy's lower spine while he was prone on the ice after you've already hit him. I'm not trying to injure him. <laughs> what the hell are you trying to do, dude? Seriously, what are you trying yeah. to do? And Jonathan Taves... But thank uh, God he didn't spit at somebody. He might have gotten like two, yeah, two exactly. months uh, suspension. Yeah. But Taves said as much, right, in the locker room today? Yeah, he told John Dietz of the Daily Herald, I guess, uh, that it was, what it was a quote. It was pretty horseshit. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which puts horseshit as an adjective, which is all right. Yeah, yeah. Trying to analyze yeah. the sentence structure there, but uh, yeah, and, and he's right. I mean, it's it's it was a horseshit play, and it was a horseshit suspension. Yeah, uh, I've been skating skating well and practicing hard, and I'll jump back in there with Dunner, and we've done some good things together. So, like I said, hopefully, just kind of build off some of the games we were playing before the the break here, and uh, it's going to be a fun game to play. And so, it's it's always uh, nice to jump into a game like that. How jumpy were you to, to get back in or anxious to hit it? Yeah. 
anytime you're sitting out, you're just chomping at the bit to get back in there. And um, team's playing some great hockey, and uh, you know we've been able to put guys in and out. And uh, again, just excited to be around the game and teammates and, and playing. Any thoughts? Just a chance to reflect on what happened. Just thoughts on that play and just moving forward past it. Uh, yeah, more moving past it. Um, you never want to see someone get hurt on a play. Um, you know, I'm just playing hard. And again, unfortunate that a guy got injured, but moving past it, um, you know, and getting ready to go. How do you look at the uh, Central Division? You know, uh, we're looking at this game tonight. You got the Blues atop the uh, division, uh, the the conference. In fact, uh, Chicago at the bottom. Colorado's played really well. Dallas a slow start, but they've come on strong. Uh, and Minnesota, Russo. I, yeah, what's I, Minnesota doing? Why are they playing well? That was like the one given was that Minnesota was going to be awful this year. How'd that happen? I've got uh, Mike Russo, our colleague at the Athletic Minnesota, on notifications. So every time he tweets, it pops up. It seems like Your they phone play every night. Yeah, then. it's going off. That guy tweets more than I do all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's bizarre because you know you. you I picked the Avalanche to come out of the West at the beginning of the year, and I still think they're the best team. Like what they're doing without McKinnon, without uh, Ranton, Ranton, without yeah. uh, uh, Landeskog, without Burakovsky. Now uh, it's incredible, and Kale McCarr is just fantastic. I mean, that's the kind of dynamic player that 20 years old that everybody wants to have. Those don't come along very often. Um, you know, it's funny. I was talking with Ben Pope of the Sun Times, and he had a column today about how the Avs are the new Blackhawks. From the, 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 they're, like, they're like what the Blackhawks were 10 years ago, and they're going to dominate the 2020s. And I laughed at that, and it was a good column, but I laughed, and I was telling them this morning, I wrote the same thing about the Avalanche in, I think, 2015-16, the Patrick Waugh year, where they all of a sudden had like 115 points for some reason, and they were the PDO wonders, and then they completely collapsed after that. I wrote it about the Maple Leafs, I think, five years ago, four or five years ago, and they had all these young talent. Everybody wants to be that next... That two thousand, not the two thousand nine ten Blackhawks, but the two thousand eight oh nine ones, the ones that are just about to burst onto the scene, make a deep run, and set the stage for like a decade of dominance. <laughs> but nobody seems to be able to put it together. But the Avalanche, man, that's the team right now, and they're so young and so fast. They're just made for the modern day NHL. That's the team that would scare me the most. Everyone else, I mean, we've seen really hot runs from Minnesota, from Dallas, from the Blackhawks. Uh, the Blues have been good all year. The the, the Preds have been up and down. Uh, uh, who am I from? The Jets. The, the Jets were supposed to be garbage right. this year, and they're yeah, really playing good. Playing well, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I think like six months ago, we thought, oh, man, the Central's going to be a meat grinder. And then at the beginning of the year, oh, the Central's not that bad, yeah. actually, compared. Now it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a meat grinder again. Yeah. Well, here we are. Uh, it's uh, afternoon. We have a game tonight, so you know what that means. It's time for uh, lunch. So let's wrap up with something light here. I wrote a piece about the hot dog in Montreal. The press hot dogs, yes. That's up at the Athletic. And have- I once saw John Weideman, the Blackhawks radio uh-huh. play-by-play guy, eat like six of them in like 30 seconds. Oh, my goodness. And I swear to God, and he's a skinny guy, I swear to God he could have eaten 50 in a row. <laughs> You've uh, had them, right? Of course. Yeah, what do you think? They're fan- I, don't under- I don't understand them. I don't know why they're good. It's, it, it's, it's a half a hot dog on white bread. Yeah. On white bread. Who puts a hot dog on white bread? <laughs> but for some reason, they are phenomenal. I don't know yeah. if it's because they, what are they, butter the, they butter it before they toast it or something? I, I don't know what they do. There's got to be some butter on there. But Maybe there's some heroin in there. Yeah, I don't know what they're be. doing. They're sprinkling a little, sprinkling bit of a little PCP on it or right. something. It's, they're just, they're, 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 they're insane. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why they're so good. But I can't get enough. It's of the them. toasted bun, right? The dumb people are the ones that they pay for it before the game. You can't do because that. it's free at the first intermission. It's free. So why do they charge you before the game? It's in the article. You have to read the article. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I once, I once in Montreal, I got so screwed on the exchange. My first year, my first time there, uh-huh. I, I, I try not to convert cash when I go to Canada because it's, yeah. it's just a hassle. A pain. But they didn't take credit cards, and I wanted the press meal. So 
I'm like, all I have is American money. They're like, oh, we take American money. So it was, I think it was $10. <laughs> and so I gave them a 20 American, and they gave me a 10 back Canadian. I'm like, I just got hosed. So oh, that like, they just They just rogered me good. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, since we're talking about that Montreal hot dog, what's the best press meal in the league? You know what? Because a lot of people care about this. It's, they, they do. This is important stuff. It's probably Chicago. Chicago. We're spoiled here because we get two. It's unbelievable. They feed us before the game, and then in the first, uh, the second intermission, which is too late for old people like me to eat. It's like 9.30 at night. Yeah, December, I see you so. dozing off down on the press <laughs> row down there. <laughs> I can't eat that late. I won't ever go to sleep. But they have a whole giant buffet they bring up in the second intermission. So I think, you know, I miss the, the, the Boston... Um, the dessert cart in Boston, which is not what it used to be, but it's still really good. And Tampa has a really good press uh-huh. meal. Tampa's, Tampa has a waffle cone yeah. bar. But you, you guys, yeah, you can't beat that. But you guys in your uh, second intermission. Yeah, the, the black. It's funny thing. because the Predators, you know, you talk about the division rivalries and how everyone's, you know, everyone now is trying to beat the Blues. It was really funny because the Predators have been on the other side of that for just as long as the Blues have. The, the, that's been the real little brother yeah. where, like, the Blackhawks have, like, you know, poked their nose at them and everything. But over the years, it's funny, the, the, the Predators started stepping up their, their press <laughs> meal game as a direct, like they would admit, it was directly because they wanted to be like, like the Blackhawks yeah. were. And I remember we were there for the playoffs in it was the 2015, it was during the, the cup run, and they had an entire roast suckling pig, like an intact pig that we could dive into for the first intermission. That was like their shot over the bow of the Blackhawks as they were going to take over. But they don't even have a press box in Nashville, so I don't think they can really win. Well, next thing you know, they're going to have a, raise a uh, press meal banner up to the uh, oh, rafters damn. of the damn. Bridgestone I'm going to sick Preds Twitter on you. That's a scary <laughs> place. I'm going to sick them on you for that. Hey, I know you said you had the big brother piece, uh, little brother piece coming up here shortly, which, which still seems weird to even think it's about. Bizarre, but it's, it's bizarre, true. but it's true. It's been four years since the Blackhawks have won a playoff series. Yeah, that's it's amazing. It's been two years since they've yeah. been in the playoffs. You, You've got that coming up. Anything else uh, that we could look for in the coming weeks? That, yeah, uh, I was going to have on? a story today, but it seemed, didn't seem like the right time for a fluffy, happy, fun feature given yeah, the way they not. played in Colorado. <laughs> but I have a story on uh, 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 Kirby Doc is living with Brent Seabrook and Alex Nylander is living with Robin Leonard, which is uh, always funny because, like, billet families for NHL players. I mean, you know, these guys are making, like, a million dollars. Right. They're, they're crashing in the basement yeah. of a veteran guy and what that's, what's that like. So uh, I'll have that story up sometime in the coming days. Can I ask you to quit raising the standard? Like, you did a workout with the Hawks. Uh, was it Kane's? With Kane's trainer, yeah. Trainer. And, and you, before we get out of here, tell us about that. Like, uh, you, I think for sports writers anyway, none of us could finish that workout, and you did. <laughs> I, well, let's not pretend I'm in some kind of shit. It, I, I was pretty much half dead at the end of it. This was in the summer. I was, like, about to die. And then I asked, I asked Ian Mack was his name, and I asked him to send me, like, a list of what we did. And, and how it compares. And he's like, well, he did this, he did this, he did this. So all told, you did one-twelfth of what Kane does every day. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I was half dead. It's funny because it's been, it's, what was that? it was five months ago. I still do it three times a week. So I'm trying. That, that was I'm, a great piece. Right. You well, uh, love what you're doing at The Athletic? I do, man. It's fun. Yeah. I get to write about stupid shit that I thought I think would only interest me, and then a lot of people, turns out, like doing it. So. That's great. Well, uh, you did that here with the, the podcast. Thanks for joining We Went Blues, your first uh, appearance on We Went Blues. We tried to get Scott Powers, but... Uh, you yeah, I, 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 I'm happy to be a consolation prize. <laughs> That's Mark Lazarus of The Athletic Chicago. You can read his work at theathletic.com. We're going to get ready for a game, which means a little bit of lunch here before uh, puck drop tonight. At the United Center. Thank you for listening to We Went Blues. This was episode 19 in my radio why are, voice. Why are you here, getting Mark? louder here? As yeah, the end that's my radio voice. Oh, yeah. hi. Thank you for listening to We Went Blues. <laughs> this is uh, Jerry Rutherford signing off. 
All right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and you can catch Mark Lazarus on the Laz and Powers podcast at The Athletic Chicago. Some call them the Jordan and Pippin of hockey podcasting. Others, more appropriately, call them the Kane and Taves. They just call themselves Laz and Powers. The Athletic's Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers bring you a twice-weekly podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, once again, we thank you for listening to Episode 19 of the We Went Blues podcast. Please rate and subscribe We Went Blues on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com forward slash We Went Blues, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And when you subscribe to The Athletic, you'll get to hear a bonus episode of We Went Blues each week. So once again, thank you to Mark Lazarus of The Athletic Chicago for joining us this week on Episode 19. We thank Barrett Jackman. We'll talk to him next week. I'm Jeremy Rutherford. Thanks for joining us at The Athletic. The Athletic.